Alrighty, good morning, everybody. Proverbs 19 this morning. And then we're going to be heading right into Hebrews chapter 10. We have a lot of verses we're going through this morning, so I hope you're ready for this. Hey, let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would teach. We pray that we would listen. That your Holy Spirit would just lead and guide our hearts to go deeper in you. Not just to hear it, not just to mark it or underline it, but to really understand and grasp this. I pray, Lord, that you would be glorified in everything that is taught, every song that is sung, every conversation that happens. We pray, Lord, that also the saints would be equipped, you would be glorified, and that your salvation is presented. Help us not just to hear it, but to apply it in your name. Amen. Continuing our study here through the book of Proverbs, you guys know how we've been doing this. We find a core verse for the chapter, and then we build off that verse. We're going to stop, though, today, and we're going to do one verse in Proverbs 19. Proverbs 19, verse 23. The fear of the Lord leads to life, and he who has it will abide in satisfaction. He will not be visited with evil. We're going to talk extensively about the fear of the Lord, what it means to fear God. Here's the deal. I'm going to tell you right from the beginning what the goal of today is. If you have never thought about the fear of the Lord, it just doesn't really cross your mind. I hope you walk out of today's lesson starting to think about the fear of the Lord in every decision you make. If you are here this morning and the idea of the fear of the Lord comes to mind and you think about it, then I hope it becomes a daily occurrence to you that every decision, be it financial, choice, thought, goes through this concept of the fear of the Lord. And if you're here this morning and you got this figured out, the fear of the Lord of what it is, I want you to come teach me so I can try to grasp this. This is a deep concept and it is so vitally important. So vitally important. Because when you start to understand the depth of this concept of the fear of the Lord, it changes how you live as a Christian. But before we can get into what it means to do what verse 23 is saying, the fear of the Lord leads to life, and he who has it will abide in satisfaction and will not be visited with evil. We need to talk about the other side of the fear of the Lord. Because what we're going to talk about this morning is this idea of all reverence, respect for who God is. Not terror, but all reverence and respect for who God is. There is the other side of the fear of the Lord. And I want to talk about that one first. I ask you to go to Hebrews chapter 10, please. Hebrews chapter 10. I want you to grasp this concept of fear as well. Take a look at Hebrews 10. Let's go ahead and start in verse 29. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? There's two fears. One is all reverence respect, which we're going to spend a lot of time on. The other one is you're not right with God. And I'm telling you here right now, if you are here this morning and you're not saved, You're not born again. You better be scared. Because there is a living, holy God that we will stand before at one time. And we look at verse 29 of Hebrews 10, where it says right here, this idea of trampling the Son of God underfoot, counting the blood of the covenant which he was sanctified, a common thing, and insulting the Spirit of grace. If you do those things, verse 30, for we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord, and again the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That should be scary. This concept of being on thin ice trampling who God is underfoot, 
Considering his blood that that took away our sins a common thing, insulting the spirit of grace. It amazes me how when I talk to someone who is not saved, and they're almost proud of not being saved. How scary of a thought that is to say that I'm openly acknowledging that I am not saved and I'm okay with standing before God. That is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. If that is anybody here, please understand the seriousness of what we're talking about. Now at the same time, if you are here and you are saved, there is a fear of God. But it's not the trembling fear of God that I I hope I prayed enough, I hope I worshipped enough, I hope I read enough. No, no, no. It is an all reverence and respect for who he is that changes the way we live. Now go with me, if you will, please, to 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Since we know this, we know this concept of who God is in fearing him. It changes how we live. Take a look at 2 Corinthians 5, starting verse 9. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So therefore, since we know this, that we're going to stand before God, and you're either going to stand before God in fear and trembling of hell at this great white throne judgment, or you're going to stand before God at something called the judgment seat of Christ, where your salvation is not being judged. No, don't worry about that. But what it is is almost a job review. How did I live for you, Lord? So that then drives us. Because take a look at verse 11. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are well known to God. And I also trust are well known in your conscience. That phrase in 11 is interesting. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. I like how this one translation reads it. Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade men. Since we know what the fear of the Lord is, since we know the holy God that we serve, that changes how we talk to people. It changes how we interact with them because we realize that that person we're speaking to is a soul that's going to spend eternity in heaven or hell. And therefore, every conversation I have, every interaction I have, every decision I make, I want to make in the fear of the Lord because I understand the seriousness of what we're doing here. With that idea now, let's talk about this concept here. Let's talk about what it means to really fear God because there's a blessing that comes out of it. Did you catch back in Proverbs 19.23? It talks about those that fear the Lord will be satisfied. The fear of the Lord leads to life and he who has it will abide in satisfaction. I want to be satisfied. I want to walk in contentment of God. I want to walk in the peace of God. That comes through the fear of the Lord. J. Vernon McGee talks about this in his commentary in Proverbs. He says this, The fear of the Lord does not mean that you're cringing, constantly in dread, living a life in terror. This proverb makes it clear that the real fear of God means that you can rest satisfied. It means that you recognize him, you have looked to him, you have accepted him, and you want to follow him. Now you can rest satisfied. That's what we want, folks. We want to walk out of this building here today understanding the depth of the fear of God so that way I can walk in the joy and peace of God. Because here's the crazy thing. The more you learn to fear God, the more satisfaction you have in life. The more you learn to fear God, the more joy you have in life, the more peace you have in life. The more you learn to fear God, 
the better life just goes. Can you go with me now to Psalm 34, please? This is something that we need to be taught. This is something that we need to learn, this concept of fearing God as you're going to Psalm 34. I'm going to read to you out of Psalm 86. It says, teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Unite my heart to fear your name. That means give me an undivided heart for you, a purity of heart for you. And Lord, teach me this. We need to be taught this. Dawn and I have talked about the fear of the Lord before, and we look back on our lives, and we've loved the Lord, we've tried to serve God, but how many times, how many times did we make purchases, did we make decisions, and they weren't done in the fear of the Lord? I mean, we took the time to pray, because that's what a good Christian does. A token little prayer here, maybe a Lord rubber stamp this, do this for us, please. But to really stop and say, are we seeking the Lord on this? Are we fearing him in this decision? Are we really stopping and saying, Lord, I want you to lead and guide every choice and decision we make. It's not my money, but your money. It's not my time, but your time. And I stop and I say, Lord, I want this to be done in your name for your glory. And so therefore, I fear you enough to seek you in it. Not a legalistic have to, but a choice to say, Lord, I'm blessed by doing this. I am blessed by seeking you. Because we're going to get to some verses here in a little bit. That the fear of the Lord gives you knowledge. It gives you wisdom. It gives you satisfaction. It gives you joy. It gives you peace. So therefore, Lord, the more I fear you in decisions, the better it goes for me. But here's the truth. Do I really fear him? I mean, I fear man. I fear letting people down. I fear being disappointed. Sometimes we fear being poor. We fear being sick. Do you realize, if we could reach a point when we fear God, all those other fears would disappear? If we could reach a point where we feared God so much, there'd be nothing in this world that would cause us fear. Because we have all of our fear on the Lord, then what can anything in this world do to me? Well, that person's not going to be happy with what I say. I know, but if I don't do it, God's not going to be happy with what I say. And I fear God more than I fear that person. What about that diagnosis? No, I fear God more than I fear that diagnosis. I fear God more than being disappointed. I fear God more than letting people down. I fear God more than anything. And if I fear God, all these other fears disappear. And back to Proverbs 19.23, I walk in satisfaction because I'm at peace and content because I have the Lord. Take a look here at Psalm 34. Let's start in verse 4. It says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. That's a great start. Seek the Lord, and he delivers you from all your fears. For anybody here that's walking in constant fear of something, right there is your answer. Psalm 34, verse 4. Seek the Lord, and he delivers you from your fears because you learn to fear him and nothing else. Verse 5. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around all those who fear him and delivers them. When I fear God, the angel of the Lord encamps around me. I'm walking in God's will because I so fear him that I trust and know then that if anything comes into my life that I determine bad, it has first gone through God's hand. Take a look at the book of Job. From what our determination, bad things happened to Job. But it came through the lens of God first. This verse tells me that if I'm fearing the Lord, 
and anything comes into my life that I deem bad, I have to trust and say, no, Lord, you're going to use it for good. That sickness that came in, you're going to use it for good. The situation that's causing me concern, you're going to use it for good. Because I am camped and you have encamped around me because I fear you. Verse 8, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you who saints. There is no want to those who fear him. That means you're lacking nothing. When you fear God, you are walking in such peace and joy and satisfaction. You lack nothing because you realize the only thing that matters is him. Verse 10, the young lions lack and suffer hunger. But those who seek the Lord should not lack any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. If you have any type of spiritual influence over kids at home, grandkids, anybody, teach them to fear the Lord. Can you imagine if at a young age you would learn to fear the Lord? All of a sudden, it doesn't matter what other people think of me. I just want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. It doesn't matter about those purchases because I'm going to fear God that I'm going to pray over every decision and purchase to seek him. It just blows my mind how often we make big life choices without really doing it in the fear of the Lord. How often do we do that? It's amazing if somebody comes and asks us to do something and we have to make a commitment to something. Our first thought is generally not, no, I really need to pray about this. You know what? I'll get back to you after I pray about and seek the Lord and confirm it. What's generally the first thing we say? Let me check the calendar. The calendar has more power in our house than usually the fear of the Lord. Because the calendar determines everything we do. And if your house is like my house, your calendar is on your fridge, correct? And so when somebody calls or somebody wants to do something, first thing we need to do is we need to go check the calendar to make sure that we can do this. And if your calendar is like our calendar, it is the most prized possession of the house. If the calendar is lost, the whole house has no idea what's going on. And if your house is like my house, I'm not allowed to write in my calendar. Dawn does not allow me to. (laughs) Only the wife, the mom, is allowed to write anything on the calendar because it has to go through her first. The calendar is the most powerful tool in the house. Not the fear of the Lord. We make decisions based on what days are free. We make commitments based on what we want to do. We make big life choices. We change jobs. We sell houses. We buy houses. We commit to this activity. We commit to this without stopping in the fear of the Lord and saying, Lord, you lead me, you guide me, you direct me, and I'm not going to take a step until I know that you want me to do this. What would happen if that would change? And I'm going to repeat what I said at the beginning. Maybe this has never crossed your mind before. I want you just to start now thinking through it. Maybe it crosses your mind on somewhat of a regular basis. I want it to become a daily thing for you. Where you stop and you realize it's not my money but your money, Lord. It's not my time but your time. Lord, who am I to commit to anything but out of the fear of you, I will do exactly what your word says. Come, you children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Because that's where I'll have satisfaction, joy, and peace, and contentment. And knowing what God has called me to do and then doing it. So what do we get out of fearing God? Let's talk about the theology of this first. And then we're going to come back and finish with practical examples. Let's go back to Proverbs, please. Actually, one more verse in Psalms, please. Psalm 147. I'm going to hit one more in Psalms, please. This is our first one here. And then we're going to hit Proverbs. What do we get out of fearing the Lord? Psalm 147. And then Proverbs 1. Psalm 147. Go with me to verse 10, please. 
Psalm 147.10. He does not delight in the strength of the horse. He takes no pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his mercy. Boy, guys, you see the depth of that? God does not delight in the strength of the horse. He takes no pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his mercy. I want God to be pleased with me. Wednesday nights, we're going through the book of Mark. And you were with us recently. We talked about there's only two times in the Gospels that says Jesus marveled at anything. He marveled at people's faith. And he marveled at people's lack of faith. Those are the only two things that ever made Jesus marvel while he was on this earth that was recorded. He marveled at their belief and their unbelief. And so we taught on Wednesday saying, if Jesus marvels at my belief, then Lord, I want to have faith to trust you in all things. I look right here at Psalm 147, and I look at verse 11, and I'm sitting here saying, Lord, I want to please you. What do I need to do to please you, Lord? And if I would ask you before you came in, before you read this verse, and said, what would make God pleased? How many of us would made a list of mores? You know, if I would pray more, if I would read more, if I would worship more, if I would witness more, if I would study more, and we make this huge legalistic list of if I just do more, God would be pleased with me. Then you come read Psalm 147, 11, and the Lord takes pleasures in those who fear him. Lord, the only thing you want me to do is fear you. And you know what happens when I fear you? When I hold you in such awe, reverence, and respect, guess what? I read more. I pray more. I worship more. I study more. And I witness more. Not because I have to, but because I realize who you are. And I realize these things please you. And Lord, I want to bring you pleasure. So I fear you enough to stop and say, Lord, I want to go out and represent you in everything I do and say. But if you're here this morning, you're like, oh, I just want to make God happy. Then fear him. Fear him, and he will take pleasure in those that fear him. I love that. I love the idea that the more I learn to hold God in all reverence and respect in my finances, my decisions, my choices, and my thoughts, God says, that's the man I take pleasure in. I take pleasure in that man who stops and fears me. What else happens when we fear him? Back to Proverbs chapter 1, please. Proverbs 1 verse 7 tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 9 10 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When you learn to fear the Lord, you're now walking in knowledge and wisdom. Look at everything we get out of this idea of fearing the Lord. God takes pleasure in me. I am satisfied in him. I have knowledge and I have wisdom. What an amazing idea. Lord, if I just fear you, And I make you my focus. You're giving me satisfaction. I am pleasing you. You're giving me knowledge. You're giving me wisdom. Why would I not want to do these things? But what's the flip side of not? Take a look at Proverbs 1. Look at verse 28. Then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. Now don't read 29. And some of you are still looking ahead. Don't read 29. Don't you want to know what we have to do in verse 28 to make God not answer us and not let us be found by him? Think about this for a second. This this is the God that we present to everybody. This is the God that loves you. We're going to talk about in a couple weeks. This is the God that died on the cross for your sins. This is the God that has done everything to build a relationship to us. And now he's telling me in Proverbs 128, hey, guess what? You called me and I'm not answering you. 
You seek me diligently and you're not going to be able to find me. Lord, what would I have to do to make you stop and say, James, I'm not going to have fellowship with you at this moment because of this. What do I have to do? Now look at 29. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. When I choose not to fear you, Lord, it breaks fellowship with him. Think that through. So if you are constantly seeking God on something, and maybe you feel like you're just not getting a clear answer, maybe you're like, you're in the word more, you're praying more, and it just feels like, where's this golf from? He's not answering. Are you fearing him? He tells us right here in Proverbs 1, 28 and 29, since you chose not to fear me, it hurts our relationship. Well, I want knowledge, Lord. Well, how do you get knowledge? Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. I tell you guys, I've been chewing on this for a couple years. What's it mean to really fear him? To reach a point where it's like, Lord, I can't worry about what that person's going to say. I I need to be focused on what you think of me. Lord, I I can't be concerned about, oh, I really want that. I'm going to go buy it. No, Lord, it's your money. What do you want me to do with your money? Lord, I don't want to hurt my relationship with you. And you just told me in Proverbs 1, 28, 29, if I do not fear you, It hurts my relationship with you. Boy, think about that. It even goes deeper. If you look in Peter, husbands, listen up to this. The Bible makes it clear that if we mistreat our wives, that hurts our relationship with God. I need to fear the Lord enough to say that I I don't want to hurt my relationship with you, Lord. I need to make sure that I'm honoring Dawn. I need to make sure I'm honoring my kids. I need to make sure that I'm honoring my position that you've given me as a pastor. I have to fear you enough, Lord, to say it changes how I live and act. And why would I ever make a decision on my own that's not going through the fear of the Lord? Take a look at 30. They would have none of my counsel, and they despised my every rebuke. How often do we proclaim Jesus Christ with our mouth, but when it comes to our actions, we're not living in fear of him? Jump down to chapter 2, please. Look at verse 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. How do you find the fear of the Lord? Go back to one. Receive, treasure, incline, apply, cry out, lift up, seek, search. That's effort, folks. I don't think most of us, myself included, want to put that much effort into it. Can't you just make it really simple, Lord? Can't you just bless everything I do? Can't you just let me do what I want to do? No. I need to receive, treasure, incline, apply, cry out, lift up, seek, search. And then if I do those things, verse 5, then I'll understand the fear of the Lord. Have you ever run into that believer? And just be honest, maybe it's you. Where they, they do confess Christ. They do publicly proclaim they're a Christian. They're willing to love him and follow him. But you just stop and you realize, where's the depth? Maybe the depth is found in the fear of the Lord. Because what I keep seeing here, the more I study out the fear of the Lord, I keep seeing the depth that comes out of this to stop and say, Lord, it's really putting you first in everything. All reverence and respect. Not terror. Not cringing. But just, God, you're God, and I'm not. And I want everything to go through you. 
not legalistically, not a have to, but such an all reverence and respect to say, Lord, I want to follow you and I want to do this. What else do we get out of the fear of the Lord? Go with me to Proverbs 8, please. Proverbs 8. Remember back in Psalm 34, it says, teach, teach us this. It says, the young lions will not lack. Why? Because there's a satisfaction in us fearing God. That goes back to our key verse of Proverbs 19.23. I am satisfied when I fear him. What else do I get out of fearing God if you go to Proverbs 8? Take a look at Proverbs 8. Look at verse 13 with me. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance in the evil way. Can you imagine fearing the Lord so much that you hate evil? You hate it. You hate sin because of how much you fear God. And not only that, build on this worth with me real quick. Go to Proverbs 16, please. Take a look at Proverbs 16, verse 6. Proverbs 16, 6, it says, And mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity. And by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. So, Proverbs 8, the fear of the Lord, and my heart teaches me to hate evil. And then in Proverbs 16, verse 6, the fear of the Lord now keeps me from evil. The fear of the Lord keeps me from evil. Because see, what happens is I want to sin. And the fear of the Lord stops and says, No, God, I need to fear you more than I want that sin. So sure, I could go look at those images online. I could go let my eyes wander to that woman. But I fear you enough to say, Lord, no, I don't want to do that. I want to depart from evil. Lord, I, I could go buy that because the money's in the checking account. I got the money. In fact, I have too much money. I could do whatever I want, really. But Lord, I fear you enough to say, I'm going to pray over that first. Lord, I'm, I could take this job because according to my wisdom, I could buy this house. I could sell this house. I could date this girl. I could do all these things. But Lord, nope, I'm going to fear you enough to say that in my heart I hate evil. And why would I want to do anything that's sinful? And I'm going to fear you enough to say, Lord, I want every action to go through your fear. The, the, just the filter of you. And stop and say, by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. It changes how you live. When you stop and you look at everything through this idea of God, I hold you in such all reverence and respect that I want everything to go through you. And what do I get out of this? Fear of the Lord gives me knowledge, Proverbs 1. Gives me wisdom, Proverbs 9. It keeps my relationship close with Christ, Proverbs 1. What else does it give me? It gives me the idea of hating evil. My heart is now in line with you, Proverbs 8. Proverbs 16, I choose a better choice in life because I fear you. But if not, I do it all on my own and I just make the decision of what I think. No, Lord, help me to have enough all reverence and respect to fear you. So what does this look like practically? I always go back to these four things. Fearing the Lord in my finances, my decisions, my choices, and my thoughts. First one, fearing the Lord in my finances. You no longer have buyer's remorse. You no longer have unsurmountable debt. And you realize the blessing of giving. Can you imagine praying over purchases and realizing, I will no longer have to wake up the next morning, oh man, why did I buy that? All right, I'll just find some place to store it, find some place to do with it. I'll just try to sell it online and make a few bucks out of it. No buyer's remorse. No unsurmountable debt. That I don't get myself in these crazy debt situations because I stop and I realize it's not my money but your money, Lord. So why would I buy anything without seeking you? And then I realize that I'm so much more blessed to give than to receive because, Lord, I fear you enough to realize that if you tell me to go help that person and go bless that person, I'm not going to starve to death. You're going to lead and guide me. Now, please note, 
the full counsel of God's word. We've also taught on wisdom with finances. Joseph in Egypt storing up. Look to the ant, you sluggard, prepare for the summer. We've taught on those before, so make sure you get the full counsel of God's word. But I realize how often we hoard our finances, not out of the fear of the Lord, out of the fear of us. I want to have a comfortable retirement. So I need to make sure I have all the money I want. I want to be able to get what I want, when I want, how I want. That's not fear of the Lord. That's fear of me being dissatisfied. That's fear of me not being content. Those are dangerous places to be, folks. Fear the Lord enough in your finances to say, Lord, godliness with contentment is great gain. I'll give you some practical examples here for Dawn and I. And before you think, oh, he's just going to tell us stories of how great they are. No, trust me, we're sinners. Here you go. We recently got a, uh, a new vehicle, new to us. A new to us is not a new vehicle, but we've been praying about this for many months. And it was on a Tuesday, praying about it, and we just, I felt like it was time. I said, Dawn, it's time to go look for this vehicle. We've been waiting for the right vehicle. And so Tuesday, felt the Lord said it was time. Found the one we wanted on Wednesday, picked it up, bought it on Thursday. God just ordained it. It was a blessing. It's been a real blessing of a vehicle. Now, we had my car that we were getting ready to uh, trade in, and we decided that we were going to give the car away. Just stop and say, okay, Lord, whoever we could bless with this vehicle, we want to bless with the vehicle. You know, you've blessed us with it. We want to go bless somebody else. And then we decided that the car was getting a little bit older, maybe some issues, that we didn't want to give the car to somebody and then have issues. So we decided whatever they were going to give us for a trade-in, we were just going to give. That was yours, Lord. We have set that aside for you. So we go in, and God has blessed us. And the way I do things with the car is this. I have a set amount of money in my mind, and I don't like to go over it. This is what it is. This is the car I'm looking for. I'm here to buy this car. This is the one I want, and this is how much I'm willing to spend on it. I say right from the beginning, I try to look at the salesman and I try to make sure they know that I'm a Christian. I look at it as an opportunity to represent the gospel. And I say, I've prayed over this and this is, this is all that I'm going to spend on it. So if you're going to try to get me to spend more, take it up with God because this is, this is where I'm at. So anyway, go in. And uh, it was a little bit more than what we wanted to spend. And I, I said, it's a little bit more than what we wanted to spend. And he goes, okay, this is what I'm doing to make this work out. He goes, I'm going to give you more for your trade-in. Think about that. I'm giving you more for your trade-in. You know what my first thought is? That's not fair. If you give me more for my trade-in, that's more that I have to give away. Lower the price of the car and don't give me, give me less for the trade-in and lower the price of the car so that way I don't have to give away more. That's the fleshly side of all of us. But Lord, we have told you that this is what we felt you wanted us to do. And I, I called Dawn and I said, hey, this is what he's going to do. He's going to give us more for the trade-in. And Dawn said the same thing. She goes, oh, that means we have to give it away more. <laughs> you know, we're not getting a cheaper price. So they gave us more for the trade-in. And we stopped and we said, Lord, you're sovereign. That means there's more to give away. And it was fun to go home and tell the boys, this is what we're doing. We got more for the trade-in. We have more to give away. And we fear you, Lord, that we said that you're going to be blessed. We're going to be blessed to do this. Fear him in your finances, guys. Learn from the beginning, it's not your money, it's his. So therefore, when he says, hey, go bless this person, you're not letting go of anything. It's already his to start with. Fear him. Fear him in your choices. Can you imagine no longer having regret, shame, or ever saying again, oh, man, what was I thinking? Can you imagine that? No longer ever having to say, I regret I did this. I can't believe I did this. What was I thinking? Because if every decision goes to the fear of the Lord, you can trust that, Lord, I'm trusting you, your sovereignty, your will, your guidance, your direction. And learn to have enough confidence in God to look somebody in the eye and say, listen, I can't answer you right now. I need to pray about it. I I fear God. I need to pray about it. 
This is what happens, and I'm not picking on any of you. I'm not. Maybe one of you, but not most of you, I'm not. I get phone calls from people that say, hey, pastor, I don't know what to do. What's going on? I got this big decision. I need to make it. I said, okay, well, you need, it sounds like you need to go pray and fast over it. Oh, I know, but I got to make it by tomorrow morning. Sounds like you need to stay up all night praying and fasting over it then. I have learned, and I learned very early on out here at church, that if I feel rushed to make a decision, it's not of the Lord. God's not rushing me to make decisions. I need to slow down and make sure it's of God's will. And that means I need to have enough confidence and enough fear of God to look people in the eye and say, you know what, I can't answer you right now, and I really need to pray about this for a while. Because I need to make sure I'm in God's will, not just what you want me to do, because I know how this works. If I just say yes, I will be their best friend for a little bit. And if I say no, I'll be their worst enemy. I can't worry about that. I have to fear God enough to say, I no longer want regret, shame, and I no longer want to say, what was I thinking? So you know what? I'm going to have to mark this down and pray about this for a little bit to make sure that I know what the Lord's will is because I fear him. I fear the Lord enough in my decisions. You may say, what's the difference between a decision and a choice? This is just me speaking here. I believe choices are the daily interactions we have. Decisions are the deeper things in life. Where am I going to go to school? Where am I going to work? What job am I going to have? Who am I going to marry? What house will I buy? What house will I sell? I want to fear the Lord in all of my decisions. It makes it very clear to me in James chapter 4 that I am just a morning fog that appears for a little bit. And who am I to decide anything James 4 makes it clear. Be careful when you say, I'm going to go to such and such a town, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. That's arrogance. That's pride. And I just see so many people making big life decisions with a token little prayer to God. Fast, pray, seek him in fear. Or what happens is you see people running all over the place. We talked about this a couple Sundays ago in Corinthians where it talks about the idea of running with uncertainty. Well, this sounds good. I'm going to go do this for a while. This sounds good. I'm going to go do this for a while. They jump from relationship to relationship to relationship. They jump from job to job to job, ministry to ministry to ministry. No, you're running with uncertainty. Fear God enough to sit down and say, Lord, you lead me, you guide me, and let me let go of everything because if I truly believe everything you've talked about in the fear of the Lord, If I fear you, Proverbs 19.23, you will lead me into satisfaction. Proverbs 1, you'll give me knowledge. Proverbs 9, you'll give me wisdom. Psalm 147, I will please you in this. So therefore, whatever decision you lead me to is the best decision for me. And I don't have to walk then in the fear of that decision because I fear God. And I can then look at my wife, I can look at my kids, and I can look at the church and say, Listen, I prayed over this and this is what I believe the Lord's led us to do. And I fear God enough to stand up here confidently and say, this is what God wants us to do. That's the fear of the Lord. Last one, fearing the Lord in your thoughts. Do you realize how many times we get away with our thoughts? Because people can't read our minds. We smile at people and say, sure, no problem. Have you ever done that? Somebody comes up, hey, i got a favor to ask. They tell you the favor. You're like, sure, no problem. And in your mind, you're thinking the most bitter, angry thoughts. No one ever notices that from the outside. God does. Do you ever notice how often we can get away with sin in our mind? Be it anger fantasies towards people? Boy, if they would ever come up to me and say this, I would do this. Mind wandering to other types of fleshly fantasies. 
Our mind can do a lot of evil, evil things, and no one ever will know about it except God. I need to learn to fear the Lord in my thoughts. Not just in outward obedience, not just in outward faith, but when no one else is around, God, I still fear you to do the right thing. C.S. Lewis has a great quote on what integrity is. He said this, integrity is doing the right thing when no one is watching you. If you remember the story of Moses, when Moses got into his mind the idea to free Israel when he was still living in Egypt, he went and killed the Egyptian. If you remember how the Bible tells the story, he looked to the left, he looked to the right, killed the Egyptian. It's been said many times before, he looked to the left, he looked to the right, but he never looked up. God saw. How often do we do that in our life? No one knows what I'm thinking. No one knows what I did. No one saw what I did. I can cover my tracks. Why do I still feel guilt, shame? Why do I walk in fear of being found out? Because I'm not fearing the Lord. When I fear the Lord, I'm not just looking for outward obedience. I'm not just looking for outward faith. But Lord, in the purity of my heart, I desire you. No matter what anybody else thinks. No one else is going to know how much I pray about it. No one is going to know how much I fast over it or seek you on it. No one's going to know my heart of worship, and that's completely okay. Because I'm telling you right now, when I die, Jesus is going to tell me, well done, a good and faithful servant, not you guys. And I just read in Corinthians the other day, Jesus was crucified for me, no one else. I need to learn to fear God so much that the only thing that matters is pleasing him. And I realized that the more I fear him, I'll be a better husband. I'll be a better father. Hopefully be a better pastor, be a better man of God. And if I fear him, I'll probably end up spending more time in the word and prayer and worship and evangelism. Because, Lord, I fear you and I want to please you. So I will say now for the third time, as we get ready to close, if this has never crossed your mind, this concept of fearing the Lord, Please understand how it is scattered through the entire Bible, Old through New Testament. You know, it talks about Acts chapter 9, that the early church walked in the fear of the Lord. Look at the blessings you get out of fearing God. Satisfaction. Who does not want satisfaction? I am so tired of being discontent. So tired of yearning for more. I'll find satisfaction in fearing God. I'll find wisdom in fearing God. I'll find knowledge in fearing God. I'll have peace of mind in fearing God. I will hate evil. I'll flee from evil. I will fear God in my finances, my decisions, my choices, and my thoughts. And I'll have peace. It's so worth it. But it's something that I have to constantly be working on. Praying through, memorizing the scriptures, and constantly reminding myself, Lord, help me to fear you more than I fear any person. Help me to be able to do what's right in integrity of heart out of fear of you more than I worry about what other people think about me. And then the blessing comes. I encourage you, if you've never thought about it, start thinking about it. If, you, if this has crossed your mind, let it become a daily occurrence to you. It will change you. It will change how you live. It will change how you act. It will bless you. And going back to our Proverbs 19.23 verse, let's go full circle. The fear of the Lord leads to life, and he who has it will abide in satisfaction. He will not be visited with evil. What a blessing that is. Worship team, if you can come forward. So we're still continuing our study through Proverbs. We just slowed it down to one verse. 
because it's such a vital, vital verse. We'll pick it up next week here in a few more verses. Hey, I just want to remind everybody.